0: results are going your way it's easy to kind of like get on each other a difference in our style but it wasn't a difference as to who we are or our identity as a team keep up to date
1: with the latest wsl action and the biggest
2: interviews subscribe to the koi gig podcast stream on the otv sports app now
0: the koi gig pod and otv sports in association with cadbury a player and a
1: half deserves a glass and a half of support
2: Everyone ran their socks off tonight and
1: they left everything out there. are very proud of the, the team's performance.
0: Let the shackles off Katie a bit so that she can go and play her game. We're going to go out there
1: to beat them, we're going to try and beat them.
2: Hello there and welcome to episode 25 of the Koi Gig pod and OGB Sports. I'm Kathleen McNamee and back by my side is our one and only Karen Duggan. It came down to the last day, but we finally have our 2021-22 Women's Super League champions, Chelsea. Something that I predicted in last week's pod. I will have it known in case anyone tries to play any audio back. While we're delighted to have seen such a fantastic season unfold before us, today is tinged with a little sadness as it is our final pod before we take a summer break ahead of the Euros. But we did want to go out with a bit of a bang. So we've roped in one of our favorite guests for a mega end of season review pod. Emma Byrne, thank you so much for joining us and welcome back.
1: Well, thank you very much. What an introduction. Yeah. You're honoured. <laughs> yeah, Carol's like, like on. yeah, what's going on there? <laughs> <laughs> I just thought I'd go all out for the
2: final one uh, the Koi Gig Pod at OTV Sports is an association with Cabra FC official snack partner to the Republic of Ireland Women's National Team unfortunately we've no Emma Carroll with us this week but she has left us with her absolutely 100% definitive definitely no one on the bench team of the season and after that Karen and I will be bringing you the official Koi Gig Pod end of season awards which I'm sure we will fight over as we do most things but <laughs> First and foremost, let's get into it. Chelsea, WSL winners, poor Birmingham relegated. Emma, how did you enjoy the final day of the season? I saw you tweeting away about it. So, I, I well, I'm sure you didn't enjoy it from an Arsenal standpoint but otherwise
1: <laughs> yeah I mean it was unbelievable wasn't it I, I couldn't help once I started tweeting I couldn't stop reading <laughs> because it was just it just got more intense and I nearly turned off the television uh, I, th- I think I'm turning into my mom and just don't watch anything and then just check the results at the end because it was just nail biting I mean I literally did bite my nails off <laughs> Um, But what an end to a season, to a fantastic season, really, really interesting season. Great to watch, just brilliant for women's football in general. And then to finish like that and just the nature of the games as well, like Chelsea were completely shook. Uh, It's actually the best I've ever seen United play, which I was like, wow, this is just incredible. And then as I I had like my laptop, I had the television on and I had my iPad. So I was watching loads of different games. And Arsenal just were struggling to score. And I was like, if, if they know that Chelsea are struggling maybe that'll give them a bit of a boost or whatever but anyway I was on my own so I was talking to myself a lot and screaming at screens a lot on my own so it was great fun though
2: <laughs> I was enjoying Flo Lloyd-Hughes who's a sports writer and I'm sure lots of our listeners follow on Twitter she was updating everyone on what Jordan Nobbs was doing on the bench she was watching the Chelsea match she was then updating everyone else in the stands what was going on and I was like I love this little triangle of things that's going on that I'm looking at what Jordan Dobbs is doing through Flo Lloyd he uses Twitter <laughs> and none of the fans actually don't none of the Arsenal ones on the pitch actually know what's happening it did feel slightly like the perfect end to the season in the sense that Arsenal struggled to score for like a large majority of the start of the match Chelsea weren't at their best but came back in the final like well in the second half let's say to actually win and United showed so much potential and then just kind of crumbled away do you think that's a fair assessment Karen
0: yeah I think it was kind of the theme of the season I think what got Chelsea over the line was that kind of bit of grit that they had over Arsenal possibly and they were just a bit more ruthless I mean when they were putting in one goal they were putting in four or five they weren't like letting up towards the end of the season at all whereas we saw Arsenal maybe drift a little bit um But it was good to see United playing well and put them under the caution. It would have been some story if they had turned around and and done the business. But it was going to take something special on the final day of the season. Um, And Sam Kerr produced that for Chelsea. So um, you have to say they deserved it over the the course of the league, I I think. Um, And to do it three in a row is very, very difficult. I don't think that should be underestimated as well, because teams do catch up, teams figure out how to play against you. Um, But they just had enough squad-wise to get it over the line.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Do you
2: think it is that depth of squad, Emma, that has
1: seen Chelsea do the three in the row? Um, yeah, I mean, that's obvious what, what every team needs at this stage in women's football, because the amount of games that they play, and you know, the the cups they're in the Champions League. It's it's a very intense season and you definitely need a, a bigger squad. But for me it was the individual players for Chelsea that that really pushed them. Through. And that for me was the difference between Arsenal and Chelsea. Although I think, in general, Arsenal have a better team the way they play and they look more promising, I think they can build on it and they're going to be excellent next season. Uh, Chelsea have those players that are just world batch winners players. yeah and they just know how to win and it can be an individual um flair like whether it's Pernille harder or or sam Kerr or aaron cuthbert or, or g so young um, who came off the bench and changed the game uh i just think they have those players that can really turn the screw and i think that's what was a major part in their season yeah for sure
2: you mentioned Sam Kerr there, and I think we have to start off somewhere by talking about her season Golden Boot winner. I mean, she's done it across continents. She's done it for her country. She's done it for Chelsea. Is like, what is the ceiling for a player like Sam Kerr? She's
1: she's just really tenacious. She's the type of player that you know, you'd probably have a fight with when you're playing world cup on the, at the top of the road. She's just like in your face. And um, she's a terrier. And, and, you know, that showed in the games and she's a winner. She was getting annoyed with when they were losing. You could see she's getting frustrated as she wanted the ball all the time. And um, a little bit like Olivia too, you know, if she could take the corners and score off them, she would type of thing. And, um, She's just, you know, she has that fight and that energy, and and she is that out and out number nine, which Arsenal struggled with this season. They Chelsea had it; they had their out and out number nine. And if they if Chelsea can get the ball in those areas to Sam Kerr, she's going to score. And I'm sure that's what Emma Hayes was telling her team: just get the ball into those areas, which is is not too difficult to do, to be honest. Um, And they were soaking up pressure a lot through the season and, you know, defending quite well. And then they were completely bypassing their midfield to get to to Sam or to to Harder who who would destroy any back line. And that was basically their tactics throughout the season. And that worked. The only thing with that um, is if a team can stop that, if they can press that initial pass to them, Chelsea struggled to find a way, a plan B, basically. And I think that will become a problem if they can't play around that or play through their midfield, especially with G so young leaving. I think she's a really integral player. Huge loss, yeah. 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 It's a huge loss for the league. It's, you know, Chelsea, obviously it's lost for them. But for us, you know, to to watch for me is is a little bit sad. Um but yeah, Sam, if she gets the service, she's gonna score and that's a massive thing for IV. Yeah, it surprises me how many she gets with her head as well.
0: She just positioning. She's so clever.
1: She's so clever and she's so aggressive in the air and, you know, she, she jumps, she can get off the ground as well. Like, so she's a little bit, maybe a little bit deceiving for defenders. Maybe they're still getting used to that, but um, it'd be interesting to see how she does next season because we've seen this season at the start, she was going through a bit of a drought. There was a problem. I was thinking this can be a big problem for a striker, the confidence and things like that. But she just turned around she scored a world in like the fifth game and that was it. She was just on a roll after that. And to become, you know, top scorer after having a bit of a staggered start, it just shows what a fantastic player she is mentally as well.
2: She is absolute quality. And I know you mentioned G there as well, and the fact that she's leaving soon this summer. And I actually found myself, despite my other loyalties, willing her on to score on the final yeah, day. because I just she tried. She yeah. tried her best. She tried. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she did everything else for the team. So she yeah. almost deserved the goal just to cap it off. But... Yeah, I just, the fact that we don't get to watch her next season, I'm still, part of me is like, maybe someone will staff her up. Maybe she won't actually go back home and someone will. I I was the
1: same. I was the same when I was watching her celebrate and she's just so, she's so sweet. I was like, if a team's watching this, like, just get them under the table. (laughs) Give her whatever she wants. Just keep her here. (laughs) Yeah,
2: I think there was a lot of people watching it thinking that. And do you think is that the sort of area then that possibly Emma Hayes is going to, well, if she can shop around the summer, I mean, we still don't really know what's going to happen with the Chelsea takeover. I mean, it's looking like Tom Bowley is going to buy the club, but everything is still a bit up in the air until that's absolutely complete. Um, Mm. Is midfield then the sort of area that Chelsea are going to worry about during the
1: summer? I would say so. Yeah. I mean, Emma's been building defensively for the last year and she's, had her eye on some players and she's looking for players that can play out. So to do that, they're going to need good midfielders. And if they're losing G, then they definitely need a midfielder in there. That's going to be able to, you know, play uh, and keep the ball and keep possession. I think Sophie Ingle does a good job defensively. So they, they need that player that's going to link the midfield the defence to the, to the strikers, to, to Sam Kerr and Pernille Harder. And that's definitely something Emma will be watching and she'll be watching the Euros. As you said, I think she's going to have to wait a little bit because of the money situation, but that could work out quite well for her because you have the Euros and she's going to, have her eye on,
0: on the best talent. But I'm sure knowing Emma, she's already got her eye on the player she wants. And, and that's the difference with women's football as well. People are just out of contract. So it's not like they're going to have to put up a big fee or anything. If someone catches yeah. their eye and if Chelsea come in for you, you're going to go there.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, they have to build on the midfield for Champions League if nothing else, because that was... That's one the thing that's eluding them now, yeah. Yeah, it's disappointing. And, and you know, that probably keeps... Emma up at night but uh, it's definitely a target for them next season and for them to do that they have to build in their midfield and they have to be able to play through their midfield because teams at the Champions League level if you can they just stop that service and we've seen in the Champions League with Wolfsburg they just packed out you know they they stopped they pressed high against Chelsea and they kept Sam Kerr quiet and if they can do that Chelsea need another plan and that's working through through the third's
2: That was actually, it's interesting you mentioned the Champions League because that was the next thing I was going to ask in that. Do you both think that the fact Chelsea weren't in the latter stages of the Champions League and didn't have that extra football, did that benefit their title run in any way? Because we have seen the last couple of matches, like they they were on an incredible winning streak when they did win the title, but they weren't exactly emphatic wins and say the way that maybe City were hitting like seven past certain teams and stuff. Do you think that if, they had that extra bit of football, they might not have had the gas to go all the way to the end.
1: Um, No, not really. I think that's just the type of team they are that, you know, they, they just get through, they just get points and, and the three points. And that's what they just do what they need to do. And I think they've done that throughout the season um, and it, it doesn't matter how they get them. They just get them. Sometimes it's a little bit ugly, to be honest. Sometimes mm. I'm watching and I'm texting my friends who, who are at Chelsea and I'm like, what's going on? Why are they doing this? Why are you doing that? And they're like, who cares? We're talking yeah. about the table. We're going to win the league. <laughs> I'm like, OK. Fair. <laughs> um, but, you know, I don't think it would have affected them. In fact, I think it would have driven them even more because, you know, we're talking about Emma Hayes as a manager and her staff. Her staff are amazing, uh, who she has around her. And it's all about, you know, how they train and when they train and how much they do. And she has it to a T, like mm-hmm. it's it's so specific. So she would have been able to implement yeah. that.
0: Even she wants them enough. to be favourites. She wants them to be winning everything. She wants that kind of pressure on them. Yeah. So they've yeah. obviously instilled that winning mentality. You said it about Sam Kerr there. I think, yeah, I don't think Anthony would have distracted them.
1: No, no. And, you know, losing in the Champions League and going out in the fashion that they did would have been, if anything, a little bit worrying for them, for their mindset, trying to pick them up again to, you know, get them in that mindset, because it is about mindset with
0: Chelsea. That's how they saw Arsenal struggle when they took a big defeat in the Champions League. They struggled a little bit in their game following that. So it is difficult, but they obviously just had, had it in the bag.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, Arsenal are under pressure as well because you're expecting more from them. It's a massive club. You expect them to win silverware. And they're really, they're struggling. They struggle Mm. this season, big time. Champions League, I, I was speaking to some of the girls and they were confident, you know, going into the Wolfsburg game. And especially at the Emirates, they showed that they could beat them. In fact... I was commentating on that game and I was like I think Arsenal are going to beat Wolfsburg I think they have a better team they they showed that they were better at the Emirates they should have uh, beaten them they, they should well, have yeah. scored more goals mm. um, and they crumbled a little bit when they went to Germany but that is the Champions League it's not about how good of a team you are It's it's the mentality and how you prepare for the game and mistakes, um, which is something that Arsenal need to, to fix a little bit. And, you know, you make a mistake in the Champions League and it's a goal and that's the way it is. So, you know, it's it's about building the experience because even though we've won the Champions League, <laughs> <and> <laughs> those players haven't. So it doesn't matter about our history. It, who cares? Like, everybody talks about, oh, Arsenal won this and they should be doing... No, it's a completely different team. And they don't have the experience of getting to the, to the semifinals and this. Etc. Etc. And, you know, that showed when they played Barcelona. You don't go and play Barca in, in the group rounds and sit back and change how you play. It just completely... No, they're too clever. They pick you off
0: too easily. They'll exploit yeah, you can. it.
1: You can't have Kate McCabe sitting in the back line and then and no one up front. Even Viv Medema had a problem with keeping the ball and things like that. So it was all over the shop. Um, really when it comes to Champions League with them but it's experience and they and they learned from it, you could see they played much better when they played Wolfsburg and I thought this would be some contest to see you know, Barca and Arsenal again playing against each other and I guarantee it would be a different story but they didn't get that chance to do it But no team wants to be knocked out of the Champions League no matter what. And when they say, oh, now we can focus on the league, that's a load of crap. They're they're disappointed they were knocked out of the Champions League, basically.
2: (laughs) And so take a team like Arsenal second this year. I think it's third season without a trophy, which is the first time that's ever happened to them in their history, which is pretty mental when you think about it. What... What do they need to do this summer? Because obviously there's that big question mark over Medima. She said after the match on Sunday that she's going to take a couple of weeks now. She has a holiday, work out what her next steps are. But is it the goals? Like, is that the thing that Arsenal really need to tie down? Is that the thing that has that lack of, I suppose, killer instinct in the first 45 minutes, maybe even up to an hour or something in some games?
1: Um. No, I think, well, first of all, I do think Viv is going to go. So I think that's a big problem. That's a massive, massive loss. Mm. Um, she was doing so well dropping into midfield. I think her and Blackstenius just had a really nice connection and they were showing how dangerous they were. And I think that was only going to improve. Um, but I think she's going to go. So they're going to need to fill that gap. Um what I think Arsenal need to do is is be really tight at the back and, and not even though um I believe um the, the keeper actually had the, the highest amount of clean sheets so it wouldn't be considered yeah. a problem but the goals they concede, you know, against Birmingham and things like that's not good enough. And
0: they really need to cut that out. I don't care about stats. It's yeah, they the were guilty of that play. kind of taking their foot off the pedal a little bit if they got a lead um and maybe making themselves nervous and that's not yeah, what we'd see the, from Chelsea know, they wouldn't really make them they wouldn't really do that they'd see a game yeah. out a bit more professionally I think
1: yeah yeah absolutely and just more solid not I mean I'm not talking about the game on Sunday mm. where they conceded two very easy goals but in general even you know 1-0 2-0 it doesn't matter Arsenal should be extremely hard to score against and it's what we kind of prided ourselves you know, in, in not conceding goals. And that should be their mantra. And you have Blackstenius, which for me is one of the best sign-ins of, of the league. I think she's absolutely brilliant. And I think she's going to score plenty of goals. Um.
0: So do you think well then it's that. a
1: defensive midfielder that they need? I think they need a defensive midfielder. I like Leo Walty. I think she's a good player, but you need someone in there that's going to boss the midfield like boss it Mm -hmm. (laughs) like I don't want to say like (laughs) smash everyone but maybe (laughs) smash everyone in midfield and then that allows Kim Little to push up a little bit because for me Kim she's one of the world's best players and I think she's lost playing so deep
0: yeah Um, she was more advanced at the start of the season and she was absolutely tearing teams apart and just seemed to kind of drift back then as the season went on
1: yeah, because Viv, Medema yeah. drifted back a little bit. So it, you, you you needed to play Kim. She needed to be on the pitch. So the only place for her to play is a little bit deeper. And I really like Kim higher up the pitch. She's such a clever player, such an intelligent player. Um, but I'm hoping that's what will happen. I mean, she just pushes up into that number 10 role. They get in a holding midfielder. Um, And allow Kim to just have that free role because I think her and and Blackstenius will work really good together as well. And I think they also need to invest in a very good right back as well. Um, They need someone there that's going to push on, uh, someone that's going to be able to defend, get up and down the pitch and support because they need to. You've got Kate McCabe on the left, who's fantastic, one of the world's best as far as I'm concerned. And you need that on the right hand side as well, because at the minute it's too easy, you know that. Um, Maritz is not going to push on so it's not a danger so they focus on the left on on Arsenal's left-hand side
2: so yeah just Emma who who would be your dream signing for Arsenal this summer as a sign of intent because as you said most people are pretty certain is going to leave that's that's a massive gap and not only do they need to bolster in terms of just having those names on the team so that like the team can perform, but they also need to show that intent to the world's best footballers and say, look, we've lost one of the world's best players, but we are still able to attract this. We're still competing yeah. for Champions League. We're still competing for the WSL title, FA Cup, whatever it might be.
1: Yeah, I think they they definitely need to to sign someone big just to, you know, just to, as you said, show their intent. Well, a holding midfielder is really difficult. Um, I mean, just because I know Barca so well and I know it would be extremely difficult to draw players away from that team Yeah, but um, I really really like Patrick Echaro, um, who's their holding midfielder and she's so young I think it wouldn't be a bad idea to have a word with her because she's she's happy where she is but you know Barca are constantly signing players and once this you know there are rumors of well me a there and you know the midfielder might be shifted around just you know just have a word and plant a seed and you'd be surprised because I think there are going to be a few Spanish players playing in this league and once a few players come then other players think about it and, and realistically it is one of the best leagues it is the best league in the world as far as I'm concerned. So, you know, that's motivation. So you can basically, if you have the money and a good manager that players trust, you can convince players to come to the UK for sure. Putting
0: it out there, maybe Denise O'Sullivan could be a good signing. Denise is a great signing, but she's, again, she's a player that plays
1: higher up and I want to get Kimmy out of that defensive row. Yeah, but she plays deeper in NC Courage, so... I think she's very solid midfielder, but fantastic player. Don't get me wrong. Great, great player. And obviously could get in any team. But, you know, even if they could get like, for example, Rafael, who they they got the centre back, who I think is a really, really really good player. If they can keep her fit, maybe they could make a midfield, uh, you know, hold a midfielder out of her. And it's the exact player they need. So, yeah, there's there's an idea. Maybe they can do that.
2: <laughs> we'll send this podcast off to you on say a while. i be like, just a few thoughts from, from us back in Ireland. Karen, we we'll look at Manchester United for a second because, again, they've come quite close to Champions League glory but have just missed out. And probably another team that need to mentally bolster a bit over the summer and also in the actual team itself just to get those... Maybe more experienced players in there who can't. Yeah, I'm just gonna say they're not yeah i was just going to say they are he... not
0: they are not that experienced of a team. I mean, they're relatively new, they don't have that kind of history behind them, um, that kind of winning mentality that comes from that. So they lack that a little bit. And there were games where they had plenty of possession and didn't turn it into goals. That was a big problem at the start of the season, and it just allowed Man City to come back um through because I don't think City will ever have a start of the season like that again. I think City are better quality um, but if they could bring in some more experience I think they've shown now that they can kind of compete for those spots so maybe it will become um, quite an attractive place to come I mean who who wouldn't want to play for Man United when you saw them playing in Owl Trafford I'd be putting that out to on all the social medias just making it um, the selling point um, but they were enjoyable to watch they played some some nice football they're very direct in comparison to some of the other teams which is, uh, is different and led to some exciting games but I think on the balance of things Man City have a better squad and will compete a lot better in the Champions League than what Man United could have done.
1: Yeah, it's just a shame, isn't it? Because having a Champions League spot really is a, a major players. selling point. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a major selling point. And that was another uh, point from Sunday because you had that uh, side of it as well, United and City fighting for that third spot. So that's why I had loads of screens on. But yeah, it was a, it was a bit of a shame for United because... Um, coming their history is really cool story that, you know, they got promoted um, two years, was it two seasons or was two, it? Last? Just two years, yeah. Yeah. And um, you know, they built something, Casey Stoney built something really spectacular there of the players that she had. Um, and and to look at them now, who they can compete against the Chelsea's and the Arsenals, and they'll be disappointed that they weren't up there, dropped silly points here and there. That is down to experience. Um you know, they have a new manager in, uh, Mark Skinner, who's doing a really good job. And they need time to to gel and to, you know, to... And he said himself, they don't have the depth. No, they he's, don't. He said that a few is, times during the season, yeah. that they
0: just haven't, don't have the depth.
1: No. And, you know, if a player gets injured, which they did, you know, Jackie Grone in midfield, mm. like it's really difficult for them. And, you know, Hayley Ladd did a good job when she had to come into midfield. And then when she had to go, centre-back because. Diane Caldwell ended up getting injured. Uh, She did a good job, but you need someone that's your best players in their best position. You need people doing really good jobs week in, week out, you know, and it's unfortunate because I know players wanted to play in the Champions League and are disappointed and maybe looking now to play. Yeah, Do you you think United could potentially
0: lose some of their star players or do you think they're Um, invested in the project?
1: No, I I don't think they can lose them because they're in contract. And
0: Mm.
1: I know that um, players, some players would probably want to go, you know, because, you know, they want to play in Champions League and they want to play at that the highest level possible, but they're in contract, so they can't. So, but they are invested in the project and, you know, it's not a terrible thing that they have to say, but it's just, it's up to Mark now to bring in a couple of players to get that, um, to ignite that enthusiasm again and make a good start, you know, to the season and, and to really push because I think next season is going to be even more difficult than this season, especially with City. You know, they they're not gonna start as they started yeah. last season. That was a bit of a disaster for them. That's not gonna happen again. So it's probably the first time that they're gonna have four to five teams really in contention, taking points off each other. Do
0: you think Liverpool could go that way? The Man United kind of they've been we'll call it relatively successful in the terms of coming into the league and holding their own. Do you think Liverpool? have that in them? Do they have the backing to do that?
1: Yeah, they have the backing. It's a massive club and they've got, again, they've got a, the good foundations. They have a good manager, a manager that can attract players. And um, they've got the the bones of the team, you know, good, good players. But they'd need to make at least four really good sign-ins to, to compete, you know, at the top level. And mm. uh, that would be really difficult for them. I don't think next season they're going to do it but um, I mean it all depends who Birdie brings in he could you know it could be a complete shock um, I know he's working on it but um, they'd need to bring in a good few players you know to to reach that level so I'm not sure about next season
0: Irish mm. representation so. has they, gone down a good bit now so we're hoping No, they need
1: can... to get all the Paddies in there just yeah. get
0: just get 20
1: Paddies in there <laughs> Well that is something that
2: I wanted to ask you guys because obviously we saw Birmingham go down we knew about that ahead of Sunday's game and it's unfortunate because they do have such strong Irish representation but are there any players on that squad specifically the Irish ones that you can see staying in the WSL next season and ones who might be picked up Um, because Birmingham they did for all that their season was pretty woeful they did have their good moments such as the game against Arsenal
1: no, they did. They had some really good moments and it, it is really disappointing because they seem to find their flow. OK, I think flow is a bad word because they weren't very fluid at all because they they beat <laughs> Arsenal like shock and then they'd lose to like Leicester, you know, really yeah. big mistakes. Um, But I do think if the season went on a little bit more, I do think it would be Birmingham staying up and Leicester going down because... I just felt like when they played well, they were really difficult to beat and they can score goals, which is a massive thing. And um, with reference to the Irish players, I'm not sure. I think they should definitely try to stay up because there's a massive difference with uh, the two leagues. And I mean, it, who wouldn't sign um, Big Quinn who can score goals from, from you know, a, a set piece is a massive advantage uh, to have uh, Louise Quinn in there. Um, Maybe uh, Lucy Quinn, she's a good player. I'd like to see her stay up there just for the good of the Irish team. You know, we need the players playing at the top level. Um, I'm not sure about their contracts or whatever, but I do also know that they're quite committed so they might not want to leave, and they might want to try and bring Birmingham back up next season. It might be
0: good for a season for the likes of Eleanor Ryan Doyle and Emily Whelan, though they might get more game time in next season. So that could be something to look forward to from an Irish perspective because they didn't get much of a chance because I think they were trying to keep a settled team, and because they were yeah. growing as the season went on. Um, so it was hard for them to kind of break into that team, but it would be good. Hopefully they'll stick yeah, with it anyway. And absolutely. They and great it's all tournament. about game time, isn't it? That's hmm. the well, we've most seen it with Leanne Kiernan, like the difference it has made to her playing yeah. more.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
2: A team that has kind of fascinated me this season, and I know Karen's kind of the same, at least earlier on was Tottenham in terms of they've just had such a it feels like a roller coaster because it felt like at the start they were up there, they were competing for first spot. We were like, "Are they going to have the legs to keep this going all season?" Obviously, they didn't. But I still don't know what to make of Tottenham as a team because they've just had such a strange couple of years. Like everything from the Alex Morgan signing to getting Rianne Skinner in this season, and like her doing like quite a good job with the players that she has and seemingly trying to build something and actually build a bit of a maybe a character is too strong a word because I don't want to offend any Tottenham supporters out there but (laughs) she seems to be taking them to a place that they haven't really been before
1: No, that for sure I mean they were, we played against Tottenham I know it's a long time ago but like absolutely smashed them like 11-0 and it was like a walk in the park Like they've definitely built up a team that are hard to beat and and very good in transitions. They're very quick going from defence to attack, and and that catches a lot of teams out. A player for from them that's really impressed me is their right back Neville. She's Definitely. been absolutely excellent, probably one of the best right backs. In fact, I know she probably doesn't want to cross to the other side, but Arsenal She'd be would be perfect for Arsenal, um, yeah, to to sign Neville. I think she's done brilliant, um, but it's like you know, it's a flash in the pan. They were doing well. We we're talking about them in the Champions League and they had a really good position there. In fact, it was up to them to keep it. But, you know, they, they again, they don't have the experience. They don't have the players that are going to, you know, it's a long season. And yes, you can start well, but come January, it's very difficult to keep pushing that on. And they had every reason to push on, but it's they just physically couldn't do it. And their whole... And um, way of playing is that they're hard to beat and they're hard to break down. And that takes a lot of energy, a lot of mental strength, a lot of focus. And when you're tired, that's the first thing that, that is affected. Was, yeah. and you could see that in the games and they became a very hard team to beat to one of the teams that you expect to get points off. Um, And and the turning point for them was at at City, when when they beat City up there. You could see the, nearly see the atmosphere just lifting for them. They became a a team and and they just kicked on from there
0: and they had a really good phase. But
1: after Christmas... They they gave the likes of
0: Arsenal a fright as well. But then, like you say, against teams that... They expected to win. They were struggling, maybe. Maybe they work better as the underdog or something. Yeah, defence.
1: They're, they're really good at, at soaking up the pressure and then counter-attacking. They're very quick. And I guess when they're going into a game, maybe prepared to be in possession, mm. they might not have been um, as good like as... Like the Irish yet. team. I was just going to say that, <laughs> Carol, but I didn't want to, to you know... That's all changed, obviously, yeah. but that's what we used to do. Yeah. <laughs> and just hope for a, a Megan throw, right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> a Louise up top.
1: <laughs>
2: I enjoy that. And Emma, uh, who for you, like we've talked about our Chelsea's, our Arsenal's, and then our poor little Birmingham being relegated, but like who for you outperformed themselves this year? Like, was there any particular team that you saw that's actually quite impressive what they have done this year?
1: Well, we're talking about Tottenham. That would definitely be the team that stands out for me because I wasn't expecting much for them. And then when I seen them play and how they play, I was really impressed. They have some really decent players. And, you know, my, my mate Becky Spencer is there and she's saying it's such a good setup and she's extremely happy. And coming from Arsenal, it's difficult to find a club that you're you're impressed with and and she is she said it's really good training's really good everybody's super motivated and the environment is is brilliant which I think you can see on the pitch they work really well and um, together and they work for each other um but apart from that not really a little bit disappointed to be honest by West Ham disappointed by Aston Villa Disappointed by Reading good. Yeah, I was impressed with Brighton at the start, but then again, a little bit like Tottenham, they dropped a little bit. Um, but yeah, and then United, of course, they impressed me. I still consider them a, a team that, you know, are coming from lower divisions and they're still finding their feet. So I think just looking at Sunday's game, it showed just the distance they've came from last season. is just massive. Yeah, no, definitely...
2: I I would, well, I would have kind of expected United to have been pushing a tiny bit more towards the end of the season, just, and I know maybe I am judging them a bit harshly, but I just think that they do have the potential and they frustrate me so much. And like, I even knew, it was one of my friends was at the game and he was like, this is great. You know, United are winning. And I was like, after halftime, Chelsea are going to come back. United are going to crumble. And that was exactly what happened. And I'm not saying that like I am some great, <laughs> nowhere of what's going to happen in the game but it just felt so mystically. Mystic
1: <laughs> I can see you with their crystal ball
2: <laughs> but it just feels so typical of them even like under Casey Stody as well the same things happen so it would be great to see them move away from that I suppose and move into a different era where I mean I would love to see five teams competing for the top three spaces that would be so we think Sunday was good fun imagine if mm. you had like an even closer battle it would be incredible. Incredible. And it would also be really nice to see someone other than Chelsea, Arsenal, and City going for it, just yeah. purely for the fans. And the yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: I still and think they'll be the top three next year, though. <laughs> Again.
2: Yeah. Emma, do you see anyone actually being able to usurp Chelsea's general dominance?
1: I, I honestly, personally believe Arsenal will next season. I think you know, just looking at them and how they play, I think they're extremely strong. I think Idabel going to add to that. And I think that, you know, they just have the different rhythm of play and they have, all of the players are extremely good and they all play very well together and they just um, connect very well together. And I think that if they build on that, they're going to be very, very difficult to beat. And in fact, Watching them at the start of the season, I I spoke to Katie McCabe and I said, I think you're going to beat Barca in in the Champions League. Just looking at how you're playing, looking at how Barca's playing, you have a great chance. And then I was (laughs) working on the game and I was like, I'm so glad I didn't say that out loud. (laughs) (laughs) Thank God. I only said it in text. Um, So, yeah, it's like, again, it's just the players there, they need to get a bit of you know, moxie about them and get that fighting spirit. You already have Katie in their shows. She's got that aggression, but you need more of it. And it's the same with United. They don't have those... Nasty little players Like because yeah. For me A half time If I'm winning If I'm beating Chelsea The second half Is all going to be About getting yellow cards Yeah and slow people. it down Kick yeah. people <laughs> You know Maybe that's yeah. An Irish mentality <laughs> <laughs> It works um, So yeah It's just about Experience and stuff like that I think Arsenal Are going to be The team Next season um, I think City Are going to be Extremely good Next yeah. season I think City made a massive mistake at the start of the season. I mean, they couldn't help it. They had 12 players in the in Olympics. Years, yeah. Seven players came back injured. Imagine seven, six starting players out of 11. That's a big one. They had to play their third choice keeper, which no offence to Kareem was a problem. It was a problem. You've, you've seen that. Um, they had six players in preseason. Uh, And four of them were new. So it's really difficult to build. And you're playing Champions League two weeks later. I mean, it would have been very lucky for them to to get through that stage. And I don't think they'll make that mistake this year. I think they're going to be probably starting pre-season next week. (laughs) 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 Injury
0: prevention. It'll it'll just be City. (laughs) (laughs) So,
1: So, yeah, I think City are going to be up there
0: as well. Yeah, I agree.
2: Well, Emma thank you so much for joining us for our bumper review and Karen of course if anyone listening at home has any thoughts please do get them into us on twitter at off the ball hashtag otb now we've brought you teams of the week. We've brought you teams of the season so far, but it is finally time for the ultimate team of the season. Unfortunately, Emma can't join us this week, but she has done us all a very lovely favor and actually done the team of the season. So we have our definitive starting team, which I'm going to read out and then Karen and I shall dissect it. So yeah. starting in goal, she has herps. Then we have McCabe, Williamson, Bright and Cuthbert in midfield. She has Toon and Little and then Hemp, Miedema, Mead and Upfront Sam Kerr. A difficult one to argue with, you would say, Karen?
0: Yeah, the, well, the top four, like you're not arguing with. I feel like they've been the top four nine times out of 10 that we've done this. Like it's, it, the numbers are too high. Miedema and Kerr both going for Golden Boot. Hemp, outrageous for City and Mead just kind of yeah, she she really spurred on Arsenal at the start of the season. So definitely hard to hard to pick it too far apart unless we were like looking at some positions, possibly. Um <laughs> I think the back line is a little bit more up for debate. So uh I think we mentioned it a few times that they think in that right back position that Ashley Neville for Spurs has been brilliant. If we were looking outside of those top three teams, I think she was one of the standout players. Um, and also for me, Alex Greenwood was really, really good for City. Um, just the fact that she's so calm on the ball. So it's very maybe similar to Williamson in that way. If you were actually picking this team, I don't know if you play the two of them um, together. They're both kind of ball playing ones, but uh, she's definitely been outstanding for them since she became uh, that left-sided centre-back. So a tussle between her and Williamson, I think, for that spot. <clears throat> Um, but I think Bright definitely deserves her place Um doesn't get spoken about as much maybe as, as Williamson, but she really stepped up, especially when Ericsson was, was out with injury. And um, I think the last few weeks, just some of her passing has been outrageous. So I, I definitely agree with that one, um, centre back. Do we debate the left back position? a little bit we had to have someone in there <laughs> we did have to have someone but you're leaving Guru Wrighton out of it
2: yeah to be fair that was kind of the obvious one to me when I first to that team and there was no Guru Wrighton G was the other one as well that I was quite disappointed to not see in the team just considering who would you, who the would impact you pick
0: G in instead of the, I know little, was little? That as...
2: yeah well it I mean, little at the start of the season, I would have said was quite impressive, but not that she tailed off necessarily towards the end. I just don't think we saw her at her most impactful. Whereas if you look at G, like the moments that she was starting Mm. or she came on in the last couple of weeks, she very much dominated for Chelsea and gave them the space that they needed to play. And I just think when you're that sort of a playmaker for a team of stars like Chelsea, you do deserve that shout. Um, McCabe, you could argue, I don't know, I've seen some people say it's been her best season at Arsenal. I've seen other people say it hasn't been her best season, That there's a bit more to come. Where do you I think land she started really, really
0: strongly? She started strongly. It's just obviously we didn't start all the games then more recently. Um, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna to t- argue that one too much. I mean <laughs> we need the Irish bias. We do need the Irish bias. <laughs> Yeah, um, we do. fortunately, it's not going to come from anywhere else um, because those top no. three teams really had so many standout players that I'm not surprised that it's just made up of, of our City, Chelsea and Arsenal players.
2: It is pretty dominant. The other one I was a little bit, well, I suppose she did was Ella Toon in that she was great for United. But I just think when you look at some of the other players that play in her position she possibly wasn't the best option
0: Possibly but like United had a really good season and she was kind of key to that I think if any of Medeem or Kerr weren't there we'd see Russo probably up there as well I thought she was really really good for Man United um, but in that centre mid position I think when City needed her I thought that Caroline Weir popped up with some magical mm-hmm. moments that kind of brought them back on track um and she's a proper center mid Ella Tuna is is a 10 I think more so when she was kind of playing that false nine a little bit as well but we've shoehorned her in center mid there on this <laughs> yeah, season it is a bit of just a because we can't team. shift those top four out of there
2: <laughs> yeah no I I predict Emma's not here to speak for herself but I'm pretty sure she probably put in those top four and then went okay what
0: yeah, else And I, I work backwards from I, here
2: yeah, I thought it was interesting what Emma sent through her team to us and she was talking about Mary Earps and she said she has nailed down England's number one for the Euros. I know she has played the most time in that position, especially with Roebuck being injured at the start of the season and kind of going in. But do you think it's completely nailed down for her?
0: Yeah, I think so. Um, I think she is one of the leaders on that team. and I think she can command a backline which is so important for a goalkeeper Um, and if you've had any injuries or loss of form so obviously City were struggling in the keeper department whereas Earps was pulling off some really big saves I think it's a confidence position and I think the fact that she's gotten all this praise she's gone from strength to strength so I don't see any reason why you would change that I think it's the most important position to have a regular goalkeeper we talk about it all the time um, when it comes to the Irish team and why there's so much debate around it um and that's not good for for keepers so um i think from england's point of view if they've decided that it's her she's played more recently that they should stick with it
2: that's fair enough i mean she has had a very impressive season and of all the players as pr- of all the players that are on that team of the season she's probably the one i least expected to see in that position At yeah. the end of the yeah. season Like everyone else Pretty much well,
0: maybe, I suppose
2: Bright-, Bright and Cuthbert Would be the two that maybe You might not have predicted Would have quite as good A seasons as they did Cuthbert in particular I think has surprised A lot of people And has definitely been High up there For one of the players Of the league
0: I think Cuthbert Like for me She epitomises What Emma Hayes is About like The work rate Um she just seems to have so much passion and she never stops. Like I I really feel like she's someone who's unbelievable mentality up and down, like putting in tackles, scoring goals, setting things up. So, um, yeah, so you maybe didn't expect it, but she was crucial to that Chelsea team. Um, someone under the radar who didn't mention much, maybe Fleming, uh, for Chelsea as well. So it's all about Sam Kerr. And, and rightly so, she's put up ridiculous numbers again this season. Um, but they were solid in midfield. And it, when they needed to be, she she stepped up for them as well. Like, again, that kind of tenacious player um, for Chelsea. But yeah, for me, copper definitely deserves to be spoken about in terms of player of the season, potentially.
2: Yeah, I kind of wish a player like Jessie Fleming was in a team different to Chelsea, because I know she is, I mean, I'm presuming she's learning so much, but like when she came over from... Um, the States like there was such a buzz over there about her at the time and I remember even in ESPN on the US side they were like oh you don't know the sort of player you're getting and I I still feel like if she was getting a bit more regular start time we would see a bit more from her but then again she could be part of the grand Emma Hayes master plan where she does give her younger players a bit of time to That's it
0: like you wouldn't be worried about Chelsea losing a player because you look at another player who can come in and how effectively they've used their sub um, we definitely saw it at the weekend and that was the difference kind of against Man United how they were able to use their subs but if we talk about Arsenal losing Miedema, it, it it's a bit I think the fans would be a bit more worried about losing someone like that I think that Chelsea are just stacked and we can see that from the representation on this team of the year
2: Is there anyone from the Chelsea side that you think say we mentioned Guru Wright but is there anywhere else that you think deserved a shout in the team of the season?
0: Mm. Maybe Carter. Yeah. She's pretty good, Jess Carter. Um
2: see. Jess Carter would have been great because you could have put her in any position. Yeah, exactly. Like, like that's,
0: that's kind of <laughs> what I'm thinking. Just because she, yeah, she can go anywhere. And we we like putting players in random positions, so she definitely would fit <laughs> into this team, <laughs> that's for sure. Um no, they are like they're so solid all around, like you can't really Obviously Kerr gets a lot of the plaudits because of her goals, but they—they're solid all around. Um, a real kind of team of superstars. So really scary how good they could be. Like uh, three in a row is at the uh, as as the WSL grows to continue to be that competitive is going to be so difficult. But um, they left it late, but they kind of did it in style, really, at the end.
2: They left it late, but it also kind of never felt.
0: Yeah, as soon as they got that one point ahead, as soon as they caught up on games in hand, um, they just didn't look like they were going to drop it. And that's because they are so stacked. Mm.
2: Well, it seems like the perfect moment to move on from our team of the season into our awards season. And starting with one that's definitely perfect off the back of team of the year is who our player of the year is going to be. A lot of them were mentioned there, but our final nominees are Chelsea's Sam Kerr, Man City's Lauren Hemp, Chelsea's Aaron Cuthbert, and Arsenal's Beth Mead. And I can already hear you in my head being like, Where's Medima? Where's (laughs) Medima?
0: No, I get it. I get it. Um, I love watching Medima play. She's like my favorite player to watch just because of how clever she is. She's so good off her left and right. Out of that list who I enjoyed watching the most Probably Lauren Hemp um, mm-hmm. Just because of how exciting she is um, The ease which she can just beat players um, But numbers numbers win things And Sam Kerr has done that So personally I would say Hemp But Man City didn't have the season that they needed to have They weren't competing for the title um, So maybe the pressure was off But when the pressure was on Chelsea were able to to step it up a notch and that's because of Sam Kerr's goals at the weekend anyway. So yeah, probably Sam Kerr just pips it because that's how awards work. They're done on, on numbers <laughs> and stuff. But uh, heads, well, heads, heads says Sam thinking. Kerr, hurt would say learn it.
2: Yeah, well, this is what I was thinking when I was doing the nominees that actually was quite difficult. Like I had a really long yeah. list of players that I thought deserved it. And one of the things that, I won't say it annoys me, but like sometimes these lists do feel like they're very much numbers dominated. Yeah. And I was trying to think of players that maybe weren't like getting all the goals or the assists, or but that they had been like pretty important to their team at crucial moments. Like that, the likes of Beth Mead, like when Arsenal were not doing good, she was still one of their most consistent players, and she did that off the back of like her Olympics disappointment. Yeah, Again, We mentioned Erin Cuthbert when we were doing the team of the season. Again, she was just one of those players who just worked incredibly hard mm. and I and also had a really disappointing summer coming off the back of it. And I think that's kind of interesting that some of these players didn't mm. have the best summer lead in and now they like very much showed what they were worth. I... <sighs> I think it's just the way that my head works. I really don't want to give it to Sam Kerr because yeah. like, when I was doing the nominations for other awards, she was cropping up all the time. And yeah. I, just, I do think, much like yourself, that Lauren Hemp has been the most consistent and also the most consistent in a very difficult situation at times going yeah. into a smoother yeah. one. Whereas Sam Kerr, would you argue that there was any point in her season where she... Well, it was Champions League you could say that Chelsea really struggled then but she did always have the the service coming to her yeah the
0: players that are around her like she was never going to struggle to have chances created for her um whereas Hemp had to kind of create a lot of them herself um in a time where they were struggling but uh yeah it's just it's part of the the Chelsea way though they 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 just were able to create the chances for her and I always say this in in women's football like to find that out and out striker in in any football actually it's so rare to have someone who's just that alert and alive in the box um, that can score that many goals so it's it's such a rare thing it's not always the prettiest thing to watch we might prefer watching other players but it's it's what wins you leagues
2: I did enjoy seeing angry Sam Kerr at the weekend as mm. well when Chelsea weren't doing the. It's a bit like when angry Medima comes out and they just take the ball and they're yes. like, "I'm just going to run at the defence and like take a shot." I like, don't care. Oh, if I was I playing happens. against them,
0: I'd be trying to make them happy. Out, be telling them jokes. They're scary when they're when they're <laughs> angry. Like they're so good. So I'd be definitely just trying to stay on the good side.
2: So are we going to? We're going to settle on Sam Kerr, are we? For player of the season we're going to add our voices to the masses to the hordes yeah we're (laughs) such (laughs) sheep well you know we can say we're one of the first to do it i'm pretty sure she's going to keep getting awards from people but we were technically one of the first so that's not all that bad (laughs) Um second up in our categories is goal of the year and picking these nominees. Uh I found myself watching like hours of goals over the weekend, which was actually quite a nice way to once all the matches had finished on Sunday to kind of ease myself out of the fact that I won't have any football yeah. until the Euro starts. Well, it's just FA Cup final, but not that kind of real exciting league sort of stuff. Um, our nominees are Sam Kerr's second goal against Manchester United at the weekend, down the chest, volleyed into the net. Had to be done. Katie McGabe's <laughs> lob against Aston Villa because I needed some Irish representation, and also it was quite the vision from her to yeah. see Caroline Weir's. Basically, copycat goal from the previous years uh Manchester Derby against Manchester United, and then just a really nice bit of skill from Fan Kirby when she played against Everton, which is a bit of an outsider. But I just felt like I had a lot of like just yeah, it's a bit it's a
0: bit of it. a di- it's different to the other three, and um, definitely yeah, Fan Kirby's goal is different. And um, for me, it's Caroline Weir it's the, to have the awareness. To chip from inside the box and have the skill set to pull it off, not once, but twice, so you know it's not an accident. I don't know anyone whose brain even works that way. Like the others see the keeper off the line, executed them brilliantly, like unbelievable goals wouldn't take out and away from them. Keeper's positioning, questionable potentially. But Caroline Weirs was, I, I just was in awe.
2: Yeah, I actually I don't really have any complaints with Caroline Weir either because I could have done a goal of the year list that was purely just purely her goals because yeah, because they're always, you yeah. know, she's not yeah. normally the sort of player who just casually taps a goal in, yeah. you know, she has to make it something magnificent and that one was probably my favorite out of all the ones she scored, so that's why that one was included, but I think in general for everything that she has done this season and previous season she deserves that and also as we were saying earlier in terms of how she was one of the city players that was probably most consistent when they were really struggling and stuff and it was goals like this that kept them going. them back I mean, into
0: the fight for Champions yeah. League yeah she was crucial to us there's about three weeks in a row where she scored I think um and that was kind of the turning point for them
2: and as you say, it's like, it's the awareness for these things because it's not by accident anymore. Like, no, it's
0: we, crazy. I don't yeah. know,
2: does she practice them in training or how does she do it exactly?
0: We <laughs> would never be allowed to practice that in training. It's so audacious. Like there's no time to be practicing things like that.
2: Yeah. I also think as well, she deserves it for after that goal, The post match interview, I remember. Yeah, it was She was shown the goal and her reaction to it was just so great that even I enjoy moments like that. Like, I enjoy Mm. seeing a player realize that they've just been a bit dirty. Yeah, and show their
0: personality a bit. It's good to see. It's rare enough that you get that in an interview. So, yeah, definitely agree with that.
2: Was there any goals that you've seen throughout the season or any particular scores that you thought were unfairly not represented?
0: No, I don't think so. I think we saw. the importance of having a striker who can score the dirty goals uh, throughout the season as well. Um, like we spoke about it earlier, but Arsenal played lovely football and they pulled off some unbelievable team goals. And Chelsea are probably more direct and maybe their goals weren't as as pretty as, as some of the Arsenal ones in terms of team play. They're more direct and getting crosses into the box. Um, but the style didn't win out in the end. It was kind of the the brawn and the consistency of having a, a twenty goal a season player. Um, so I don't think there's there's too many outside of that list that you've you've picked there. Um, everyone loves the Belter, so I think it, you can always tell from social media what what the main goals are. And I think those three particular, maybe not um, Frank Kirby's as much, but the, the first three you mentioned there, they got a lot of traction on Twitter.
2: Yeah, if there was an award for passes before goals, the uh, Miedema Blackstenius oh, probably would have actually, made it. Oh, actually, yeah.
0: Because that was, sick. that
2: was just... That needs to become a new category. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it came up in the goals when I was watching and I was like, the goal itself maybe wasn't the most impressive, but I really wanted to put it in just for oh. the pass and the lead up. But maybe next year when we ex- we can extend our <laughs> category. <laughs> just Yeah and i would love to think that black serious and
0: Venema will still be linking up like that Mm, next season but i think you might need to keep watching that goal for over and over i think that might be the end of the link i know
2: it was such a beautiful partnership while we had it for like three months
0: (laughs) oh i know
2: um so there we will give that one to caroline we're next up we have manager of the year so we have Emma Hayes at Chelsea, Jonas Edeville at Arsenal, Gareth Taylor at City, and Ryan Skinner at Tottenham. What does your instinct say, Karen?
0: Like straight away, I would say Emma Hayes, um, just because I just can't get over like, the success that they've had um, to be that consistent. I think she's always very thoughtful in her interviews. You can... Tell that the players love playing for her, the way they go over and celebrate it. But when we were doing the review of the season earlier, and you kind of see how far Spurs have come, I think Rianne Skinner definitely deserves to be in this list because, like, not like I said, none of us expected Spurs to be anywhere near competing. I would have said they would have been towards the foot of the table, and that wasn't the case at all. And had them really well organized, really hard to beat, and they probably just don't have the. Same amount of talent as even your likes of Man United, who were going for that um, that spot as well. But what she did with the players she has is really, really impressive. And um, I think that Gareth Taylor did well to pick his team up. Um, I think that he was unlucky at the start of the season, obviously, um, and to get them back on a win and run because it can be e- really easy to kind of write the season off early and maybe take the foot off the gas and not get that Champions League space but he didn't let that mentality creep in um, to say Aideville as well obviously they, he's done a great job there but three, three to lead a team to three titles is unprecedented first of all and um, yeah you just I feel like even players who don't get that much game time are still working in the right way for her and I think that her man management skill I'd, lo- I'd love to be a fly on the wall If I was to go and watch one of them in progress, I think it would be Emma Hayes who I'd want to to go and see what's going on there.
2: Yeah, a bit like when we were talking about player of the year, my instinct was Chelsea straight away and Emma Hayes just because of everything you've said there. But I also did have a space for Gareth Taylor and Rianne Skinner Taylor, I just thought it was incredibly impressive how he did pick up that team. And like I think he spoke about it relatively recently saying the abuse he got in those first few months was unlike anything he had ever experienced before. And he was like, "If this is what I'm getting. I was just thinking about what are my players getting because mm. they're much more front and center than he is a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So And also the fact that he had to coach so many players in roles they just weren't accustomed to. I mean, we had Georgia Stanway lining up to go and goal at one stage. <laughs> that yeah. was how desperate yeah. the situation was for them. But I think you are right with Emma Hayes, just considering how unprecedented the result is and also how unprecedented her management of the team is because you don't really have another team in the wsl arguably there are a few other teams maybe leon or something in terms of big names that you're trying to keep so many players happy and we've seen how those big teams have failed to do it even somewhere like psg they've struggled a bit more with keeping their big stars happy um and She, I mean, we don't even know what she's had to deal with in the background this season with the Chelsea takeover and with fighting for, well, we don't know if she's had to fight for certain resources to stay. We don't know, you know, what sort of pressure has been put on the team. Arguably, they're probably a bit more equipped to deal with having to get buses rather than jets around Mm. the place since that wasn't the norm anyways. (laughs) But I think. Emma Hayes and that Chelsea team do deserve quite a lot of plaudits. One stain would be, well, maybe two, would be Champions League Champions and, and Conti Cup as well, losing that yeah. match to City in the fashion they did. But could technically right some of those wrongs at the weekend if they beat City in the FA Cup final.
0: Champions yes, League will be the still, main. Yeah, Champions League is the thing, but again... Arsenal, similar story in the Champions League, just a little bit underperformed. So it's, they're not alone in, in that regard. Mm.
2: So I think Emma
0: Hayes. Emma Hayes, I yeah.
2: Year. Well, Nailed Emma, it. your trophy is in the post. <laughs> It'll definitely be the one that you'll love the most, not the yes. WSL title you won on Sunday. <laughs> and finally, we have our moment of the year. This is slightly stretched out because some of them didn't technically happen in WSL time, but it did happen within the realm, so it's fine. Um, So we have Sam Kerr decking the Pitch Invader that came on during their game during the Champions League, because that did... Everyone loves that. That hit everywhere. That was... Some of the biggest coverage I've ever seen of women's football, just in general. Uh, Birmingham beating Arsenal, because I do think that was a big moment in terms of the title race.
0: Massive.
2: Vivian Miedema becoming the first player to score against every team she has faced. That's more of a legacy one to Miedema, because I think it just shows... She wasn't counted in our player of the year, but just how good she is and how she consistently breaks records every single season she is in the league. And then finally, Liverpool getting promoted to the WSL because that was quite a big moment for our Irish contingent. But also when you consider the trials and tribulations of the club and how emphatically they did get themselves back up into the WSL this season, I think they deserve a shout for that.
0: Yeah they definitely do obviously we had Neve on the podcast recently and for her to lift a trophy uh, it's it's rare sight that we see um an Irish person do that on on an international stage so um absolutely delighted for them meet him at, I, I can't say enough about it. like it that's a ridiculous record um that shows that no one can figure out how to stop her That's what that says to me. So that's just a different type of player, a player that can mix up her game. We saw her drop deep. We know what she can do when she's the focal point of the attack as well. And to be still fighting for the golden boot from that deeper position just shows how potent she is. So that was a huge one. When you think about it, Birmingham essentially stopped Arsenal from winning the title. (laughs) And then themselves got relegated. It's, yeah, it's a, it was a huge moment in in the overall theme of things. But yeah, the most enjoyable one was Sam Card deck your man on the pitch. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah,
2: it definitely it's the least probably important one in terms of actual effects on the game. but <laughs> loved it. <laughs> but it's the one that we all got quite a lot of pleasure out and, <laughs> yeah. and I mean, there is much to be said about pitch safety and how these things shouldn't be allowed to happen in the first place. But I think. When you just—it's uh, just what was running through her head when she did it, you know. It just seems so automatic. There wasn't yeah. even a moment's pause, and I think this is what people love about Sam Kerr as well because she's not this sort of like dainty player, really. No. Either, you know, you see her; she's scrappy. She gets the scrappy goals, and it just kind of—it uh, embodies her completely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No. It absolutely does. And. Yeah, we talk about her numbers and and everything she's done to help Chelsea this year. But that's still my favourite memory of her during the season. So um, for me, that's my moment of the year.
2: I think I will... I will agree with you on that one I will take away the meaningful although it does mean another award to Chelsea and another award to Sam Kerr but maybe this will be we could get like a little statue and it's just like yeah. a replica <laughs> of her decking your band just like going in with the shoulder challenge or maybe get her over to Ireland at some stage to play a bit of GA I feel like she'd make a good that's
0: the one we need I to do it's yeah. actually because
2: see her in the back more than the front the, with the oh yeah wing back
0: scrappy yeah
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the sort of one that again runs up and scores every so Often, yeah, it stands
0: on your toes and yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) all that crap.
2: Well, those are our awards for the final season or for the end of the season, which is very sad that we've reached this point. But there is still a lot of football left in the summer. We still have Ireland's World Cup qualifiers and the Euros. For a recap, we have our player of the year, Sam Kerr. Goal of the year goes to Caroline Weir from the Manchester Derby. Manager of the year, none other than Emma Hayes. And moment of the year, Sam Kerr decking a pitch invader, which if you need to look at again, because I did last night, just to fully soak up all the, you know, all the feelings I had at the Award time, season. It, Award it. season. Yeah, pro. yeah. You'll find it very easily. <laughs> um, but that is it from us on the Koi Gig pod for the time being don't be worried though because we're not gone for good we will be back with you on tuesday the 28th of june with a full reaction to ireland's game against georgia and our preview for this summer's euros thanks so much to all our guests who've joined us along the way and to our two super subs pearl slattery and ruth fahey and of course everyone who has listened along at home myself karen and emma can't wait to see you at the end of june for lots of international football fun
1: The Koi Gig Pod and OTB Sports in association with Cadbury. A player
0: and a half deserves a glass and a half of support.